Throughout the 20th century, movies became an increasingly popular medium for the masses to consume, evolving into the blockbusters we see today. But what are we really watching? Come with me as I explore the various elements that go into making a movie and how they impact how we perceive a story. Hi, I'm Maggie, and you're listening to Getting Geeky. The Big Lebowski, directed by Ethan and Joel Cohen, is a movie about a guy named Jeff the Dude Lebowski, who was going about his day when he came home from the grocery store, and a couple of guys tried torturing him for money and then ruined his rug. After realizing they were after a different Lebowski, they leave and he has to track down the correct Lebowski in an attempt to get reparations for his rug. Unfortunately, in an attempt to fix the whole situation with his rug, he gets thrown in the middle of a wildly complex kidnapping conspiracy where he has to find out who did it and even if the girl is missing at all. The movie runs for an hour and 57 minutes and has an 83% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. I have read books before where I have to like stare at a wall for a little bit after I finish it. Like I just kind of feel like I need to process what just happened, but I've never watched a movie like that before until I watched this movie. That was honestly kind of incredible. It didn't make a lot of sense, but I loved the characters, and they're just the, the it was really interesting. I was confused the entire time in the best way. But like before I even think about the plot, like the characters, the characters were so cool. And like, first of all, it started with a narrator. And I like, I love narrators. Like that's just a really cool thing in a movie for me. But then like he came back as an actual character who I'm pretty sure was supposed to be God. He was just talking and I was like, God is a, God is a cowboy. God is a cowboy. This is incredible. And he, he just, he gave great advice. He knew everything except for how to pronounce Los Angeles. And he was just my favorite character, like right off the bat. Like, oh, it gave me chills. Like that last scene where he was like, kind of like wrapping up some of the plot points. It's just, it was, oof, I loved it. I loved it. And the way that he talked to Jeff Lebowski, the dude, like the main character. He was just a very calming presence. Uh, the dude, on the other hand, was very interesting as a character. Definitely a functional alcoholic, but smarter than people give him credit for. I will say that. He's probably the smartest of all of his friends. Which might not be saying much, but you know what? You know what? That's okay. <laughs> he was just trying to get his rug back. He didn't- he didn't deserve get caught up in all of this when i say that he was like the smartest of all of his friends i don't necessarily mean that in a bad way um it just was that like walter was like he didn't know when to listen he didn't know when to be quiet and he just he tends to focus more on himself than on anybody else than his other friend donnie just he didn't listen but he didn't listen in like a different way he just wasn't paying attention more than flat out ignoring people like Walter did. Um, but his friends were, his friends were very interesting and definitely tried to help him 
get that rug back from, or at least get payback for the rug from the guy that the dude was mistaken for. <laughs> now, the Jack Lebowski that the dude was trying to get, like, payback for his rug from, like, he was very, he was very dramatic and he was a lot about appearances. I didn't notice until later when his daughter, Maude, actually pointed out that he has a thing about vanity where he's not actually rich. She's the rich one and has to give him money and was just using this facade to mask all of his insecurities, which I thought was really interesting and in how he then used that like to try and get back his wife who had who was the one who was kidnapped. However, his character also brought up the larger issue of classism throughout the movie, like the foundation that he was a part of. The goal was to send kids to college. And he obviously looks down on the dude just based on his appearance and assumes that he doesn't have a good education and assumes that he is unemployed and doesn't have a job and sees him as worth less than him just because of that which is why he was contacted in order to be the go-between to save his wife. Uh, Maude actually scared me a little bit. Um, she was she was intense. She thought her stepmom was just faking the kidnapping. And just everything about her appearance was dramatic in a different way. It was dramatic in like a... I don't want to say cult because that's not the right word. But the first time she was ever in a room, I kind of just assumed that she was the leader of a cult. Like, that's... That was the only explanation I could come up with for her until she introduced herself. Because that's how she presents herself. I think my favorite thing about her, though, was that she kept... She kept bringing up feminism. Which, technically, feminism did seem to be like a pretty big part of the movie in its own very unique way um but she in particular had it focused around women and just like the idea that using derogatory language is bad and she made a comment about how women's bodies make men uncomfortable if they're not presented in a way that men want them to be presented. And you know what? She is exactly right. She is exactly right. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. Je I could have listened to that speech all day because she was right. And like as weird and roundabout as the feminism in this movie was, that was one scene that they definitely did right that and when the dude was like drugged at a party he makes a comment to the chief of police in Malibu that the line is Mr. Treehorn treats objects like women man and I know that women and objects are like supposed to be flipped around and like that was definitely just done for the comedy of it but it was probably one of my favorite lines just because yeah, he was right. And in their weird little, like, way, they were trying to make that point. That you shouldn't treat women like that. 
and in such a weird movie it almost felt out of place but at the same time it totally didn't like it was really cool um but also side note this movie did not pass the Bechdel test <laughs> I that was ironic there was like two women in the movie no there were three women two of them were named they were never in a scene together I would even point out that it was more ironic yet that the two named women were literally pitted against each other. Like, they were never in one scene, but they were specifically framed so that it seemed like they were in a conflict with each other since the daughter thought the stepmom kidnapped herself. And I don't really remember many of the lines that the stepmom had except for like that one scene at the beginning. But I can't imagine that she had a good relationship with her stepdaughter if her stepdaughter thought so little of her. Yeah, so as much as they were trying for feminism, th they just didn't pass the Bechdel. Very fun. Loved that. <laughs> One thing that I really liked about this movie is they had two, like, main settings, almost, because the bowling alley was kind of like the dude's home base. Like, that was where the dude, Walter, Donnie, and all of the other random side characters that they had minor conflicts with always were. They were always at the bowling alley. There was always a tournament going on. There was always something happening at the bowling alley. Even the weird dream sequence took place in a bowling alley. The whole dream sequence was... I didn't understand a minute of that. I... I'm pretty sure I just tuned it out, but I know that, like, from what I watched of that scene, it was a lot like a Salvador Dali painting. And I even found, I was looking up the directors, and The Atlantic did an article on them, and it reminded a lot of people of a Salvador Dali painting, just in how abstract and, like, loopy, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for, that whole scene was. But it all took place in a bowling alley. Everything else happened in a car. Particularly the dude's car, which looked like it was held together by duct tape and, like, a prayer. That thing was falling apart. When the Russians finally burned that thing, I think I breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief because the car could finally rest. The car was its own character, just with how... It, like he got carjacked and then he got in a car accident and then the windows got smashed like the car went through so much like beyond anything that a character in this movie went through including the Russians who like lost body parts that car went through everything <laughs> have I even talked about the kidnapping yet I don't think I have and like that was kind of the point of the movie so I should probably talk about that right um, thing is, despite how much they were arguing about who kidnapped her, I kind of forgot that she got kidnapped. Um, just with everything else going on, I kind of lost that at some point, and when they, they found her and everything, I was like, oh, her, <laughs> right. Um, but between just blaming everybody for her getting kidnapped, it was so confusing. Because they were like, she kidnapped herself, it was a plot by her husband to get rid of her, she was actually kidnapped, and then it turns out that she just ran away. Like, she just up and left and didn't tell anybody, and then somehow the Russians found out about it, 
and the Russians sent a fake ransom note to try and get a million dollars. And her husband didn't want her anymore and wanted to get rid of her, so he tried to fake giving them the money so that they would kill her when they didn't even actually have her. That was so complicated. Like, technically, all of them were right. Like, technically, she was never kidnapped. She did just run away. And her husband did, in fact, want to get rid of her. But she was never kidnapped. So she, he just wanted her dead by means of the Russians, who also didn't have her. This movie was insane. Just absolutely insane. I loved it. Honestly. I really loved it. My biggest thing, I could not believe that this movie was made in the 90s. Like, this movie could have come out today, and I would not have questioned it at all, because it tackles feminism that we still experience today, with, like, racism and ableism and, like, bigotry against women in particular, and, like, I would not have questioned that coming out today. Would I have understood it? Still no. Still big no. But I still would have loved how they handled the issues, loved how they handled the characters who are all just deeply, deeply flawed with Millionaire Lebowski's vanity problem, the dude's drinking problem, as well as his inability to verbalize things without being politically correct 100% of the time. Like, just each one of them and how their character motivations lined up to each other. Just, that could have come out today instead of in the 90s. And I, I still would have loved it. I wouldn't have understood it, but I would have loved it. And I would have appreciated it just as much. Would I recommend this movie? Honestly, yes. Yes, I would. It's very strange. I'm still not totally sure like exactly how I feel about it other than I liked it, but it's really funny. The cast is great. And if you can get past how strange it is, it's seriously, it's worth a watch. Um, it's actually available for free on the platform Peacock if you are interested in watching it. It's very good. Want to get involved? If you want to help me pick what could be next week's movie, go ahead and fill out the Google form that's linked in the bio of both my Instagram at getting underscore geeky and my Twitter at getting underscore geek. Listen in at the same time next week. See you later.